Hey, does, does anybody here know Ed Zeller? Let me just read you a little bit about Ed Zeller. It was in his obituary. And this is just a piece of it. Ed's great loves, other than his family, was for automobiles. He owned and he operated Ed's Pure Oil at the intersection of US-1 and State Road 100 in Bunnell. And he owned it throughout the 60s and the 70s. Ed shared his interests in anything with wheels with many of the area's teenagers at the time, educating them in his own form of automotive science. And one of those teenagers was me. Yeah. Ed and my father were friends. And his shop, the Pure Oil, was at the main corner in Bunnell, Florida. Now, it's not there anymore, but it was a centerpiece. And just adjacent to it was the United States Post Office, where my dad was a postmaster. And Ed lived about six houses from us. All the children in the house, the four of us, and the three or four of them grew up at the same time. And Ed promised me one day, when I was about 12, that we were going to go to Tucson, Arizona to get cypress fence posts. And we were going to go with Mel Tillis. Now, you may or may not know, but Mel Tillis is a country singer. Randy Travis is the one that just wrote this song here that... They sang. Mel Tillis would frequent the area because one of the ranchers would take him hunting and he would do a concert in Mr. Cowart's barn. Pardon? Only when he talked. The question was, did he stutter? And only when he talked, but not much. And when he sang, he never did. And he brought his whole band, and they went hunting. And so he and my father, Ed Zeller and my father, had just a great, great time with this Tucson, Arizona fence post trip with me. What kind of truck is it going to be, Ed? Well, it's going to be a Peterbilt. And... Well, what kind of trailer? He said, man, it's going to be a big flatbed trailer with chains all over it. You're going to need to get gloves and you got to wear boots. Well, how many sandwiches am I going to need to get out to Tucson and back? And how much sweet tea am I going to need? He said, your daddy will take care of that. And where are we going to sleep, Ed? Well, if we have to, we'll pitch a tent on the side of the road. We'll have those fence posts. We can put them around us if we need some for fire. I mean, it just got worse and worse as I would go between Ed Zeller and my father. And they had such fun with a young, imaginative boy. <laughs> the trip kept getting delayed because it was really never intended to be a trip. It was just a good time between two grown men and a boy that would play along. And I played along until one day I said, Daddy, I'm really not going to Tucson, am I? <laughs> you know, it's about the time, let me look around real quick. It was about the time that you started thinking about 
Santa Claus. Like when this, when the realization comes. And so I ask today, is believing enough? I mean, when someone says something, do you always believe it? See, most of my life, when I was young, I usually believed it when somebody said something. I just believed it. And then I got a little older, like maybe some of you, and realized that some things that were said just weren't true. Like the Tucson trip. And so like most of us over time, I looked at what people said, and then I got a little cynical. And then after a few more years, I realized that it really depended upon the person who said it more than what they said. Like my father and my brother. When they said something, I believed it. I believed them. I believe. And my belief in them ended up blessing me innumerably when I followed what they said, the advice that they gave me. This man named Abram, he uh, had been in Ur of the Chaldeans way down on the bottom end of Iraq and Iran. He went up the Fertile Crescent with his father, Terah, and they settled at a place called Haran, which means a dry place. Abram's father died, and Abram continued down this Fertile Crescent, and he came into Canaan, the Promised Land, and he he came with his nephew, his family, but his nephew Lot, his brother, had died. And what happened is that Abram's herds, Abram that means exalted father, when his herds and his nephew's herds Lot, they got so numerous they couldn't graze in the same place. And, and so what they did is they decided that they would split their their herds. And so they chose places and Abram gave Lot the choicest spot that Lot wanted. Just so happened that Lot's spot was on the way to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says that Lot pitched his tents towards Sodom. So that when he got up in the morning, he could smell the calves burning and before he went and closed his tents at night, he could see the campfires and hear the partying. And Lot eventually got captured by a uh, group of five kings, and he got taken away. And Abram went out with a small band of soldiers, and he rescued Lot. Abram rescued Lot. And he defeated these other kings. And after he did all of this, he was spent. He was tired. I mean, he got Lot back and he got all their possessions and the five kings, he, he defeated them. And it was after this, in Genesis 15, 1, where we're settling today for just a few moments. Genesis 15, 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And here's what God said to Abram. Don't be afraid. I'm your shield and I'm your reward. Now Abram had just defeated these kings. A, con a, a confederation of five kings to rescue Lot. Now 
We talked about how God can speak to us in many ways. A couple of weeks ago, experience, scripture, prayer, through other people, through teachers, through dreams and visions. And God came this time to Abram in a vision. And God knew that Abram's heart would need a shield because these five kings would surely seek retribution. And God knew that Abram had refused a reward from the other kings. I mean, the kings wanted to reward Abram. It's very common to give money after you're defeated. And here's what the scripture says. We don't have a slide for this, but just listen. Genesis 14, 21 through 24, the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom with raised hands, I have sworn an oath to the Lord, the God most high, the creator of the heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the scrap of your sandal, so that you'll never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I'll accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me. Are there some things that you really want? Abram wouldn't accept that. It was an offer from an evil king. And even though Abram had a huge battle and he rescued Lot, Abram's name means exalted father. But he's not a father. He's got no children. I mean, God had previously promised him that he would be the father of many nations. But here's what Abram says to God in Genesis 15, 2 to 3. He's defeated these kings, and what he wants is a son. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And then the word of the Lord came to him and said, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your flesh and blood will be your heir. And then God did this. He says he took Abram outside and said, Look up at the sky. Count the stars if indeed you can count them. Can you imagine with no city lights, no ambient light, You're in the desert, how dark the sky would be, no Daytona lights, no Atlanta lights, no Miami lights, and it's you and it's God, and God is saying, look up at the stars. You know, there's about five or 6,000 stars that we can see with our own eyes, but there are approximately 10 billion in the Milky Way galaxy, and there's much more in the universe. You see, most of the stars are not seen. You can't see them. I mean, Hubble found so many of them. And now the James Webb telescope, more and more and more. And he says, if you can count the stars, the stars are innumerable. You can't even count all the ones you can see. Can you imagine? One, I got that one, two. I got that one, I got this one, I got this one, I got that one. Our technology is showing that stars are still being born. 
but we can't see them. I ask you, does that make them go away if we can't see them? Just, we, just because we don't see them doesn't mean they aren't real. Genesis 15 says this. He said, look at the stars. Count them if you can. And then he says, so shall your offspring be. You can only count so many scars, but there's more out there and more out there. And this blessing for Abram is for us. He says, so shall your offspring bring, offspring be. Offspring means this, means a child, but it also means your seed, your virility. It means your seed time. It means your posterity. It means your sowing time. Because with sowing comes a harvest. With sowing comes a harvest. So will your offspring be. I mean, the Bible's written for us. It's not some, this is not some posterity message. I mean, it's a clear word of God. We're Abram, Abram's seed. We're his posterity. Now, he may not have been able to see us, but we're real. We're here today. And see, it's now our seed. The seed of Abram, the covenant with Abram. And we're going to cover this covenant with Abram which is after this next week. It's beautiful. This is now our seed, our virility. It's, it's our seed time. Is there something you need to plant? Is there something you want to harvest? It's our sowing time. It's our harvest. This is for us like it was for Abram. I mean, Abram could not see his offspring, but that doesn't mean they weren't real. Genesis 15, 6 says this. Abram believed in the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. God's promises to us are real, folks. You just have to believe. If you don't think God's promises are real, you'll never accept them, and you'll never appropriate them. I mean, exalted father with no son. He didn't get the promises right away. I hope you're getting this. His offspring were promised by God, but Abram couldn't see him yet. He had to believe, and once he believed, he got it credited to him. Believe, get credit. Believe, get credit. And he says he credited to him, I, I want to credit on my account. I, I want to credit on my this word credit is an accounting term, even in the Hebrew. It's also interpreted as conceived. And he conceived his righteousness. Abram believed, and it was credited to him righteousness. Abram believed, and God conceived in him righteousness. Abram believed, God conceived. You believe, God conceives. God credited to Abram. So it begs a question for me. Is the credit for me too? Is the credit for you? You're darn right. It is. It is. You have the power of God in your life. 
We need to believe his promises to us. He gives us credit. When we believe in him, he conceives something in us. That's what the word means. He credited to us righteousness. He conceived in us. He gives us conception for our beliefs. And when we believe in something, he can conceive it. Who wants credit on their account? Yeah, me too, me too. Right, right. I'm not talking about just believing in anything. Like a trip to Tucson to get fence posts with Mel Tillis. Because you see, that didn't come from God. And I know many, if not all of you are believers. If not, we'll give you a chance to make that right today. But if God has been speaking to you about something, if God has been saying something to you, even way back when, you may not see it right now, but as we are here and God has spoken it, it's being conceived and it's being conceived and it's being conceived. And as you get closer to God, further into understanding his promises for us are the same as they were for Abram, the same as they are for Jesus or for us. As you believe what you're believing in God with and for, especially if it's something God has said as a 12 year old boy, a, a pastor in a church in Flagler Beach. His name was Ralph Hubbard. It was a community church. And my girlfriend at the time played piano. And that's the only reason I went over there. Daddy was just happy, Daddy was just happy I was in church. <laughs> However, I needed to get there. And that 12-year-old boy was told by Ralph Hubbard, you're going to be a you're going to be a pastor. I said, I'm I'm gonna be a police officer. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be a cop. He says, doesn't matter. You're gonna spread the word of God. Word spoke to my brother Frank and I. You're going to be doing ministry together. Uh, he's got his church and I got mine, God. Doesn't matter. And dozens of times we've been together doing ministry. Is believing enough? The Word of God is full of promises for us. If we believe, God conceives. We believe and God conceives. And after conception comes birth. God's birthing something in you right now, I know. He's been birthing things in many of you for some time. I don't know what those are. But you can't be under the word of God for long and believe it to not realize God has been birthing something in you. It's conceiving right now, and 
It's a seed time and a harvest. This harvest is coming. The birth is coming. The harvest is coming. Psalm 68, 19 says this. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. He's loading us daily with benefits. He's, he's put stuff on our debit card. He's got it coming. He wants to take care of us. He wants to put it in us. He wants his word in us. Romans 4 says this, verse 2. If in fact Abraham, Abram was changed to Abraham, was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed in God. It was credited to him as righteousness. And this is where it drills down to us, the application to us. It's in Romans 4. Verse 18, against all hope, Abraham and hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and Sarah's room was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God that was strengthened in his, face and he, in his faith and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. That's why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words that was credited to him as righteousness were written not for him alone. Verse 24, but also for us in whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sin and was raised to life for our justification. I wanted to draw a straight line from Abram to you today. What are you believing for? What's God spoken to you? This week, if you'll just start believing... Get deep into what God's close out everything you can a couple of times a day. If you're at work, maybe go hide in the bathroom. Do whatever it takes. Sit in your car. Get to work a few minutes early. Turn the radio off. Close your eyes so nothing distracts you. And start asking God, what is it you've... You've birthed in me. I believe, God. I believe you, God. I believe your promises. I believe you're true for me. I, I believe that you want me to have all that you have that's in the Bible. Seek God this week and apply this so that as you believe, God will conceive. As you believe, God will conceive. Is there a dream or is there something that God has placed in your heart years ago and it's like, I'm just not going to get there? I'm not going to make it. Ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, his daughter was sick. He came to Jesus. And when he was coming to Jesus to ask for his daughter to be made well, people from the house came and said, your daughter has died. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And Jesus grabbed a couple of disciples and Jairus and started going to the house where he raised him. And here's what Jesus said as they faced, Jairus faced the death of his child. 
He said, don't be afraid. Just believe. So is believing enough? Yes. Today we're going to have baptisms. Folks have come forward, they've given their life to Christ, or they've previously given their life to Christ and never followed in baptism. I just want you to know, there's still room at the cross. There's still room in the pool. You don't have to wear anything fancy. All you need to do is come. We'll ask you a few questions before we baptize you to confirm. And then we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If God has conceived in you salvation, if he's spoken that to you, don't let it pass you by. We're going to pray. We'll have people to pray with you. And when we're done, we're going to quietly go to the place of the baptism. Dear God, I thank you today for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for uh, your word, Father, that as, as we believe that you do something supernatural in us, it's a seed. We conceive. And Father, whatever it is that is conceiving in these saints, Lord, I, I speak of bringing forth of that. I speak a deeper belief in what you've spoken to those here today and those that are listening that they would understand what you have spoken is still alive, is still there, is still virile. It hasn't died. Don't give up. In Jesus' name, amen.